Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. Uh, we will discuss some of the NFL awards uh, and some uh, some cool parlay surrounding those. Uh, we will talk about the college football playoffs uh, coming down to the wire here with some of these uh, conference championship games and another crazy week um, to uh, cap off the the regular season. Uh, but first, I thought we would do a quick update on the California sports betting situation. Uh, it's been a while since we discussed it. Um, as we as we did talk about about a year ago, the there was a a ballot question um, last November for uh, voters in California to decide basically whether or not they wanted uh, legal sports betting in the state. Um, and there was a ballot initiative backed by FanDuel, DraftKings, and some other big sports books, and it failed pretty spectacularly. Uh, it only received 16% uh, of the yes vote, but there's been some developments uh, in the last couple of weeks that I thought were interesting. Um, these two individuals uh, have sponsored an initiative that would put sports betting back on the ballot in November 2024. Uh, these have been individuals named Casey Thompson and Reeve Collins uh, come from a poker and technology background. Uh, Thompson launched a poker publication called All In Magazine, which uh, if you've been in and around poker at any point in the last 20 years, you're familiar with that magazine. And then the pair co-founded a company uh, called Pala Interactive. Uh, Pala is a betting software supplier, uh, which sold to Boyd, uh, which is like a casino company, uh, last year for $170 million. Uh, and so Thompson and Collins, um, you know, want to get sports betting legalized in California, but they know, as does everyone, that in order for any initiative to succeed, they would need the support of the tribes. So they put forward a proposal, you know, it has a bunch of items in it, but the main headline that I pulled is that each sports betting app in California would be branded with the tribe's name, but it would be operated by a third party. Uh, Thompson and Collins met with the California Nations Indian Gaming Association, uh, which, you know, think of them as basically just the governing body of, of these tribal casinos. Um, they met with them to get their feedback. Uh, and the they pitched, you know, the proposed, the thing they pitched in the proposal is that this would be a way to eliminate the illegal sports betting market, which, you know, Luke and I, we, we talk about all the time is that if there's all this illegal sports betting going on in California and, you know, why not at least, you know, try and eliminate that and, and make money while, while doing so. Um, but uh, things did not go well. Um, the, the chairman of the association was quoted as saying, uh, quote, it was very much what we expected uh, and this is now him imitating the other people, you know, we're going to come in and, and do this for you and no one else can do this. And, and we're just going to walk away. Um, and then he goes on to say, if it, if it sounds too good to be true, it most likely uh, actually is. Uh, he also said, quote, they keep talking about we're going to eliminate all the gray market in sports betting, all the illegal operations in California, but they never actually say how they're going to do it because the only way they're going to be able to do it is with these backroom deals to buy up all these illegal offshore uh, uh, operators. Um, and basically the chairman was saying the, the proposal is going to cleanse these illegal websites and bring them into the state as clean players. So he's basically saying 
the way that they're going to clean up the gray market is by allowing offshore websites like Pinnacle or Five Dimes or you know Bovada maybe to apply legally in California and like then basically erase their their history. Um, you know, which I guess is what Ontario did um, in Canada because they had a lot of gray market operators. But um, the result was a vote of eighteen to zero uh, that association uh, against the proposal. So, um, Luke, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pose it to you. Clearly, we cannot live in. There's not, we're not going to live our whole lives where the largest state in the country does not have legal sports betting. But these tribes seem so unmotivated for any change because the status quo seems to be doing pretty well for them. Uh, and so, you know, we've talked about possible solutions previously, but you know, given kind of these new developments and and some of those quotes from from the chairman, I mean, where do you see this thing going? And 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 what is a potential solution at the end? Yeah. Um, so you're saying that California, which has, if it was a country would be the fifth largest economy in the world, judged by GDP, more productive than the UK and India is going to have sports betting while we're alive. I agree with you. Um, it is asinine that honestly, that we sit here today and they don't have it. You know, I, I have a million friends who are, uh, confident that India will eventually be the number one. GDP in the world. I don't know about if that will happen while we're on this earth, but like I just said, California is number five if it were a country in the world. So um, it would immediately, of course, be the the largest sports betting state in America. Yeah, I mean, look, like as you were giving the background, you know, it sounded like these guys might, you know, they've they've made 170 million, they've had successful acquisition of Boyd. That's great, and it seems like they have some sports betting knowledge. So it sounded like that story was going to end with you know maybe this had a good ending that they could get some traction, but it seems like the uh, the tribes just aren't on board. Like I don't understand why we're involving the illegal market. Like go back to last November, it was definitely a a, a tug and a tug of war between DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, and then all the tribes you know, Pachanga near San Diego and a bunch of casinos in Palm Springs, et cetera. And those guys battling with each other. So I'm not understanding why these guys are trying to involve the, the offshore market. Yeah. Um, my guess is, is that that's where their connections lie, right? Like through maybe through their, their yeah. you know, the, the, the started a company that was a betting service provider. My guess is maybe the, the provide some services to some illegal websites and they have not provided these services to your FanDuel and DraftKings. So they have stronger connections with those, you know, illegal websites more yeah. so than FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, but, you know, we think we talked about this about a year ago where it's like, look, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, they, they try to basically force their way into the state by creating an initiative that would just allow them to operate without any connection to the land-based casinos. Um, and they kind of try to pass it off as this like, cure for homelessness and it seems mm -hmm. like the voters saw right right through that so but we we kind of agreed though that like if this is going to happen it's got to be branded with the tribal casinos and you know yeah they probably don't want to be or don't have the experience to be in the sports betting business so it should be a uh you know a pachanga app but really ran by by someone else mm -hmm. um but one of my takeaways here is just how they are they just seem so against any sort of quote unquote outsider. And when I say outsider, that means anyone who's not, you know, part of one of these tribes, any outsider coming in and trying to give them advice or say yeah. they can help or because they're just they just kind of have this uh feeling of any outsider is there for their gain, you know, like the, the outsider's gain and not and not here to help us. But like 
you can't just like keep shutting down all these, you know, if, if you don't want anyone's help, right. You want to do it yourself. Well then go and do it. Like yeah. they were a year ago, they were way, they were much more concerned with making sure the FanDuel and DraftKings initiative didn't pass versus passing their own initiative, which was also on the ballot. Right. And so I just, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if you've run into this uh, anywhere else, Luke, in your line of work, but uh, this feeling of, you know, don't tell us what to do. We know more than you, you know, any change is bad um, and status quo is good. Right. Uh, and so are, I just, but I just, you're referring to cash out versus prop swap by chance. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, I mean, you know, let's just say sports betting in, in other, in other countries and continents, you know, um, the people there seem to maybe have a, a similar view of the, uh, sports betting world but um but yeah just just again california i mean i just i i don't see what's like what is gonna have to happen i mean my guess is fandle and DraftKings were just so sick like the they need to take a little cooling off period so maybe it will be fandle and DraftKings at a later point in time and once both parties have kind of cooled off but um you know these guys act like they're like the godfather and like you had to come to them you know, with an off, you know, just an absolute offer, you know, an offer that they can't refuse kind of, and, and let them be the boss. Yeah. Yeah. I asked a California lobbyist why, why the number just can't go higher from FanDuel or DraftKings and they would just get, so how it works in Illinois just as a, a large state's example. So Circa, Circa pays, um, uh, full house resorts, which is an operator of a, uh, Casino outside of Chicago. It's about an hour north of Chicago. Circa pays around $5 million a year to Full House Resorts, the operator of the Chicago Casino, to operate a sports book. And to me, it's just like whatever the number is in California, it's obviously much higher than four. It's, you know, 40, if not more, per year that DraftKings or FanDuel, a sport, an online sports book, wants to pay a Pachanga or Saquon. These are casinos in California, whatever the number is, go higher. And the lobbyist is like, yeah, but like, then that's going to uh, make the other states mad of like at DraftKings or FanDuel that like in Illinois, let's say Circa pays 40. Then the Illinois casino is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we should ask for 40. And it just kind of throws off that relationship was his answer to why the sportsbooks can't go way, way higher than they're currently going. You're you're saying it's it sets a bad precedent for for the yeah, other states. That that was that was his answer. You know, and in New York, uh, the former governor Cuomo was you know uh, famously said, you know, I don't want the tax revenue, I want the revenue, right? And they have a fifty one percent tax rate in New York that every sports book admits they lose money, but they mm -hmm. still do it. Um, and so you know that's the thing too is here is like California, the state of California also has to get their cut. Right. So the tribes yep. want their cut. The state yep. wants their cut. And then, you know, the sports books, you know, got them. It's a, it's a business at the end of the day. You still got to make some money. But, um, you know, just, just to wrap this up, uh, if, if this, pro this proposal that is clearly not going to really make any headway, but in it, it would have, it would have said that sports betting would start like go live earliest, like September 2025. Right. Because mm -hmm. it would have to pass uh, in the 2024 ballot and then, you know, figure it all out. And if so, if this doesn't pass, I mean that means we're we are looking at 2026 and beyond. So yeah. um not not a great um situation. Seriously. So short-sighted. It's greed, it's short-sighted, it's uh it's arrogance kind of like you were alluding to and yeah. It's it's a total total missed opportunity. So in the meantime, all the Californians will just keep betting illegally and there's no regulation, there's no tax is collected and uh 
everyone gets nothing. Yeah. Or you can, and, or you can uh, purchase tickets on prop swap. Um, <laughs> but all right, moving on to where sports betting actually, ex- uh, actually exists. Uh, Want to talk a little NFL awards um, parlays. So uh, interesting sale that occurred last week. Um, after week one, a prop swap customer placed a $5 three leg parlay on the following uh, Jalen hurts to win MVP. Tyreek Hill to win Offensive Player of the Year, and Dan Campbell to win Coach of the Year. If the ticket wins, it will collect $3,825. So that, that was odds of 764 to 1 uh, on, that, on that ticket. Uh, last week, the customer sold it for $300. Uh, so that's a 59x return uh, for the seller and odds of 12 to 1 for the buyer. Um, as we sit here today, Luke, each of those guys uh, are the favorite for their respective award. Um, Hertz is plus 150 for MVP. Tyreek Hill is minus 110 for uh, Offensive Player of the Year. And Dan Campbell is plus 175 for Coach of the Year. All, all three are, are the current favorites. Um, there are still six weeks remaining in the season. But would you be nervous about any of those legs? Or is this ticket uh, close to a lock? Uh, yes. the to uh, I'll go the one I'm most nervous about is uh Tyree Kill to win offensive player of the year. I think McCaffrey wins that. I think um McCaffrey is more important to the Niners offense than Tyree Kill is to the Dolphins and both are having incredible years. Um but I just think on a relative basis Christian McCaffrey just does more for that team. He's obviously a running back and catches out of the backfield as well, so I would lean McCaffrey and I still like I don't understand the Dan Campbell coach of the year thing. Like the way I understand coach of the year is how much of an, of an improvement did you go from last year to this year? And then also that's factor number one in my, my view. Factor number two is how, how much did you outperform your roster, right? Like is your roster uh, like the Eagles, for example, the Eagles roster is absolutely loaded from top to bottom. So like Nick Sirianni, in my opinion, should not be winning coach of the year. Like he's not doing a good coaching job, but like to me, D'Amico Ryan's is, is like, you know, turning a basket of lemons into lemonade with, you know, a roster that everyone thought was their win total was like four. Like he's, they expected the, the books expect them to go four and 13. What he's doing down there to me is that he should win coach of the year. So that those are my, be my two pushbacks. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I've already given my, uh, my coach of the year breakdowns. Uh, granted, I, I picked the wrong coach of the year before the season. I, I was going with Dennis Allen, but uh, I totally agree with you on on what the expectations of coach of the year are. Again, I'm still kind of confused. Now, look, I think the lines are a little confusing because they didn't make the playoffs last year, but yet they were everyone's trendy team this year. So it's like mm-hmm. if you know if you're judging them on on their actual record last year. Uh, you know, you got to factor in the fact that, you know, they were one in seven to start last year and, and miss the playoffs and not judge them on, you know, the fact that they were everyone's trendy pick. Um, I think you, you, you kind of have to win. Actually, you don't even have to win the division because Brian Dayball yeah. won it um, yeah. last year. They didn't win the yeah. division. I so that was, that was a joke. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That he I, won I, that. I think Nick Sirianni should have won it last year, yes. but I, I think that ship may have, may have sailed uh, for, for him, but uh, agree with totally agree with with what you said about D'Amico Ryan's, and then you know we, we'll get into a little uh, Eagles talk and staker swap. But um, I think the Hurts number also is is 
a little high right now, plus 150. Um, I mean, I think his numbers get incredibly inflated with these goal line sneaks, um, you know, his totally. like, touchdown numbers. So, uh, you know, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, I think, are like way more important to their teams than than Hurts. Like, Hurts is really good. I'm not going to say he's, he's bad. He's really good. But with that offensive line and the the weapons they have at receiver, I think, you know, Gardner Minshew could could also you know have a winning record uh, with that with that team. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so definitely an interesting parlay. Uh, like I said, sold for three hundred dollars. We will see if that person um, ends up trying to flip it um, later on in the season. Um, another uh, parlay that I wanted to discuss. This has not sold yet, um, but uh, this is an even crazier uh, awards parlay. Um, Let's see. Back in June, uh, a customer placed a $10 bet on a four-leg parlay. Mahomes to win MVP, CJ Stroud to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, Micah Parsons to win Defensive Player of the Year, and Christian McCaffrey to win Offensive Player of the Year. Again, $10 bet to win $102,000. As we sit here today, um, the market value is $3,850. Um, so I know you're feeling on McCaffrey, uh, CJ Stroud is as close to a lock as anything, um, to win offensive rookie of the year. So where do you stand? You know, would you, would you sell this ticket for 3850? Um, you know, would you even take less for it just to get rid of it? Or would you keep holding it with this news of, of, uh, Miles Garrett's injury? Um, and you know, Mahomes maybe having a, a, a good finish to the season. Yeah, um, I do think Micah, it's Micah Parsons or TJ Watt, I think. But then uh, if anyone watched the Thanksgiving games, I'm sure most people did. I listen to this podcast, like what Deron Bland has done. We are at the halfway point and he's returned five picks to the house. Like that is absolutely outrageous. Like I, I can't even, that is one of the best individual performances at the halfway point of a regular season I've ever heard of. It, it's completely mind-boggling. Um, Kenada went to Sacramento State and then went to Fresno State, fifth-round draft pick last year. He's in his second year, and he's doing this. Like, that is that is off the charts uh, impressive. So he deserves a nod added, too. I get it that Micah Parsons is one of the best defensive players in the history of the game, but what Deron Bland is doing deserves – Deserves something. I, I don't know how we can award this guy, but if he, you know, that's already the record. It's already the most pick sixes in NFL history. So, yeah, there's just a little bit of uncertainty with that defensive player of the year award. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, it, it stinks that corners never win this award, it seems like, because um, at, at a certain point, teams just stop throwing yep, to totally. the, the, wherever the corner is. But uh, a linebacker, defensive lineman can can move around. So he's on one side, one play, and then he's on the other side. And there's just way more. Uh, it's, it's, in, it's in that person's control way more to make an impact on the game. Um, you know, hard to say, uh, you know, about Parsons without knowing more about the Miles Garrett injury. But um, if Miles Garrett didn't get hurt, I would say he's definitely uh, in the driver's seat for it. And again, to your point, I think TJ Watt is also uh, should be considered for it. Um, but again, and then back to the MVP thing, I'm still riding the Lamar train. I know his game on Sunday night wasn't the best, but no turnovers, got the yeah. W. Um, I'm I'm still I'm not I'm not giving up on on Lamar. So um, I would I would also be 
trying to uh, to sell this. And uh, I also I like Tyreek a little more than McCaffrey uh, in terms of the offensive player of the year. Um, but it's just tough. It's tough to handicap when these things are voted on. Um, it's not right. like it's not like who's going to win the game. Who's going to win the game? Who's going to have the most rushing touchdown? You know, like it's it's a little harder to handicap when when um, you know it's it's voted upon. And and as we've discussed uh, a lot here the last the last four weeks of the season are weighted way more than the first four weeks of the season so um it's it's just it's difficult to uh to say so in that again we're talking about five dollar bets and ten dollar bets here being um being flipped for you know thousands of you know uh thousands of dollars so Mm -hmm. um potentially so uh definitely something that we will keep our our eye on so um and then you know don't have to discuss it uh, that much, but I thought it's, I was not shocked, but I was just, uh, it caught my eye when I look at the MVP odds and I saw Dak Prescott as now the third favorite to win the MVP. So um, that's something I'll also keep my eye on because talk about a guy who is like so polar. I mean, I think it's just when you wear the star on your helmet, um, everyone either wants to hate you or love you. Um, But as someone who led the league in interceptions, uh, well, yeah, he led, last year he led the league interceptions, and now he's mm-hmm. third favorite for uh, MVP. I thought that was interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, more to come on that in in the coming weeks. Uh, but I wanted to switch gears to college football. Um, once again, a crazy week, uh, or I should say, a crazy day on on Saturday. Um, we'll we'll get to uh, the Michigan Ohio State game, but first, just wanted to start with the Alabama Auburn game. I cannot believe Auburn lost that game. Um, you know, who they were like, oh, uh, Auburn only rushed two. I'm like, they rushed no one. If you watch that replay, I mean, there's two guys on the line of scrimmage, sure, but like they're just like standing there. Like, uh, and so, I mean, the guy, you know, Milrow had all day to throw. Still, he had to make that throw and, and Bond had to make that catch. So kudos to them. But um, that would have changed the playoffs scenarios tremendously. But even still, because Alabama barely won that game, um, I think that will definitely be counted against them. But uh, there was a, an interesting uh, or a fantastic cash out. I don't know, uh, Luke, what was what was that cash out um, that yeah. we saw in the uh, Auburn game? Yeah, we posted it on our Instagram. Um, so 10K at uh, plus 650 Auburn money line. And he cashed out for 61,000, like 61,600. Um, apparently, it was just before that you know, crazy fourth and 31 conversion from Alabama's offense. Like my goodness, like th- does it get any more well-timed than a cash out at that, at that, uh, at that time. So yeah, one of the best cash outs I've ever seen uh, to turn, you know, to make six X on an individual football game is, is awesome. Totally. And, and, and just like to have the presence in that gap of like, okay, there's a timeout and they're going to come back and run this fourth, fourth and goal from the 31 play. And in that time frame, to be like, you know what? I'm yeah. To take that cash out. And as you know, cause I'm, as I'm sure most people as a, like when I have a, when I'm sweating a bet that hard, I'm like, so like enraptured in the game. And like, it's just, it's just hard to kind of like all of a sudden put your focus on, on to like the cash out. And my guess is he was maybe just checking that offer all game long. And so it was like, it was part of what he was doing, but, um, but yeah, totally just an all time great cash out to, to take 61 K, uh, before the, the game ends basically, um, on a, on a, on a losing ticket. But 
So uh, after the dust settled on this last week, uh, seven of the top eight teams will be playing in a conference championship game this weekend with four of those seven playing against each other. That, of course, is uh, the Pac-12 championship, Oregon versus Washington, which now that spread is even larger than, uh, than last week. And then the other one is the SEC championship, Alabama versus um, Georgia. Uh, I think we can all agree that the winner of Oregon Washington will be in and the loser will be out. But I think the biggest question on everyone's mind is what the committee will do. If Florida state wins Florida state currently undefeated, Um, you know, the score against Florida makes it seem like it was a, 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 more decisive victory than than actually was um florida was in that game i i bet florida plus seven they were covering for the first 57 minutes um and then we're not was not right. covering but you know if all the favorites win this weekend uh speaking of georgia michigan oregon texas and florida state then you will have five very deserving conference champions but only four spots um and obviously Florida State will be undefeated and Texas will have one loss that was what an overtime loss to Oklahoma on a neutral field. So um, what do you if, if that of those are the five teams, what do you think the committee will do? Yeah, I mean, I said this last week, I I'd be beside myself if I was a Seminole, but I don't think Florida State gets in, I, which is crazy because, you know, you'd have two one loss teams get in over an undefeated team. So I yeah, I still stand by that. I just feel like we're in the entertainment business and Florida State would be get absolutely waxed against, you know, say they're the four, they would get absolutely waxed by Georgia with their backup quarterback in. He looked terrible on, on Saturday night versus Florida. Like that that guy's a scrub. Like that yeah. their season's over. So uh, I, I I have to stand by that. I, I just do not think because we're in the entertainment business and because this is by TV deals, like, you know, what is, what's ESPN paying or, uh, you know, Row or, you know, Ford paying for a commercial in a, a CFP game. I mean, it's millions for, for a 30 second spot. So we're in the entertainment business. Nobody's, in my opinion, it'll be over by the end of the second quarter if Florida State gets in. So I, I personally don't think Florida State's going to get in. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the debate is, is it the four most deserving teams or the four best teams? Mm-hmm. Um, and to that, I would say it's, it should be the four best teams. That's what people want to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it stinks for Florida State, but they are not one of the four best teams with a backup quarterback. Um, and Jordan Travis was really good. So uh, I, would, I would agree with, uh, with all that. Um, and then the other kind of ironic thing, and I, and I texted you this over the weekend, but I didn't put in the rundown, is just uh, the Pac-12. Um, which, by the way, RIP. You know, we we've seen our we'll, we have one last remaining Pac, legit Pac-12 yeah. game, but um, this is the first year that the Pac-12 did not have divisions where you know the winner of the North plays the winner of the South, uh, and it was just the two top teams. And if if they had kept the divisions, it would be Washington Arizona in the in the championship game. Arizona would have won the Pac-12 South, uh, and then obviously Washington would have had a better conference record. Uh, and a tiebreaker over Oregon. Uh, and so the fact that Oregon is a nine half point favorite now and and everyone's pretty much, you know, penciling into the final four. And if the Pac twelve had not changed that rule, we would not be in that situation. It's yeah. it's kind of a kind of ironic, yeah. Totally. Um yeah, um, Oregon's probably gonna win, but I don't know. I watched 
uh, Michael Penix is amazing. So, you know, big players come out in big games. He's, he's pushing for the Heisman. So we'll see. I mean, that that's going to be a great game Friday night. Of course, Bama, Georgia and Saturday, both two of the best games of the year. Yeah. Um, and then the other game from Saturday, uh, was of course the Ohio state Michigan game, which I believe I had, um, mm-hmm. Michigan three straight wins. Um, but you know, won't, won't talk too much about that game, but uh, that does lead into uh, our trivia question for this week, or as I like to call it, Luke Learns. Um, Saturday's Ohio State-Michigan game attracted the second most money wagered on a college football game this year at Caesar Sportsbook. The second most handle on a college football game this year. Which college football game do you think had the most money wagered at Caesars this season? Texas, Alabama? Uh, no, Colorado, Oregon, Colorado, <laughs> Oregon, uh, wow. if you recall, was that was the peak of the Colorado hype train. Yeah. And then um, to say that train got derailed uh, during that game would be an understatement. Um, and now I believe, yeah, I believe Colorado is is not going to be bowl eligible uh, after that three, you know, start. Um, no. So, no uh, but yeah, crazy to think that. That is the that was the highest handle uh, game, comfortable game this season at, at Caesars. Um, hat tip to uh, our friend David Purdom for uh, for that tidbit. Yeah, so, like, like we were talking Shadur Sanders Heisman, not we, but just like the sports betting community was Shadur Sanders Heisman. We sold a ticket on Shadur Sanders to win the Heisman. You know, Colorado national championship. Here we come, and they just got destroyed the last six games of the season. So it's it's sports is a is the uh, cyclical and. Uh, week to week season. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, as they say, this is saying in the NFL, you know, um, defensive coaches get paid, get paid to watch film too. Right. So mm. um, I think they took a lot of people by surprise. Maybe they were slept on. Um, yeah. But at a certain point when, you know, you get enough tape on there. And I mean, I remember watching that Colorado Colorado state game, you know, until, you know, midnight or whatever. And Colorado state was just running crossing routes all over them, crossing routes, crossing routes. So, I mean, you play enough games, enough film, you know, gets, gets put out there. Um, you, 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 you start to learn. So, yeah. Uh, just, but look, I think Colorado, Colorado, I was going to say just last one about Colorado. Honestly, if you look at the guys they beat, so they beat TCU and Nebraska, right. And like TCU, they had like six losses this year. Like they stunk. So, you know, yes, they came off the national championship in January. Fast forward to September where you know, you're eight months later, they went to the national championship, got destroyed in national championship. I think that gave some in some false validation of Colorado. Well, look, I mean, I think these should be judged off of their preseason win total. Their preseason win total was three and a half. And that was probably even higher than it should be because of, of public money. And they beat that win total. So if, if you're going to, you know, if I, I think Vegas, that's a pretty fair line. If their expected wins was, you know, basically three and the exceed to that, then you could say the exceed expectations. I think people got a little too excited and too, a little too ahead of themselves when they were three and oh, um, and the goalpost might've gotten moved on them a little bit, but I think the exceeded expectations. And I think it, you'd be crazy to think that they're not going to keep recruiting and, and building off of, off of the success. So, um, I think all in all, it was, it was a successful year for Colorado. And um, I think they'll be, they'll be back next year with, with probably a better team. Um, but all right. Speaking of better and worse teams, uh, it's time to talk a little um, futures action coming up here in stake or swap. <laughs>
first up, we will be talking once again about the Philadelphia Eagles uh, coming off uh, a crazy come-from-behind win uh, against Buffalo on Sunday in overtime, currently 4-1 to one to win the Super Bowl at MGM. Uh, I will go first. I am swapping the Eagles at 4-1. At to one. Um, as I mentioned previously, I think um, some of the some of their numbers are just inflated by this tush push um, play, which again no one can stop. But um, I think they've gotten uh, just pretty lucky in terms of these close games. Um, I thought you know the uh, if Lane Johnson is out for uh, an extended period of time or injured again, I think he is extremely critical to to the the run game and the pass game. I mean, that first half, Jalen Hurts was throwing balls away left and right because, you know, there was some defender, like, you know, in his shorts uh, right after the snap. Um, but then the other thing, too, you know, listen, great offense, great offensive line, a lot of weapons, but their defense is not that good. Um, the rank, their defense ranks 29th in opponent yards, uh, passing yards per game. So their, their secondary can get lit up. Um, and you know, the, the rushing defense is, is definitely better. Um, but you know, it's only 12th, um, in terms of, uh, opponents yards per rush. So, uh, I think they've, you know, and their, and their turn, turnover differential is minus two. Uh, and so I just think that at four to one, um, I, I just, I think this is the time to get out, um, you know, with the number one seed, they're probably gonna get the number one seed, but, I just don't see this team um, making a legit run in the playoffs. I think there are better teams, the Niners and, and kind of the Cowboys. Uh, and so right now at four to one, I think this is the time to uh, to sell and, and get out if, if you're holding an Eagles bet. Yeah, um, I have a lot of thoughts on the Eagles. I'll keep it brief here. Um, I would still stake them. And so the reason I say that is they're still third. So the Eagles are plus 450 to win the Super Bowl. Chiefs are plus 425. Niners are 4-1. Eagles play the Niners this weekend in Philadelphia. So that's obviously a massive game for that. But the Eagles already beat the Chiefs. And I realized they you know, came from behind and the Chiefs were up at halftime. I get that. But like we should be judged on wins and losses. So I'm not understanding why they're still third. Um, I'll be at the Cowboys-Eagles game, I believe, in Dallas next weekend. Never been to AT&T. So that will be... Obviously, a critical matchup as well. And then lastly, I did talk to um, our friend who's uh, Lane Johnson trainer. He should be okay for next week for their um, for their Niners matchup this weekend. So it doesn't seem like it's serious. Of course, I agree with you that he is critical to, to their success. So p- point number one, they're third in, in the odds. And then point number two is I still don't think they're playing that well. Like I, and I sound probably like a Philadelphia sports fan. They act like they're the worst team in the league when they're you know, they're like the Super Bowl favorite or third third favorite. But like, I still think Jalen can play better. I still think um, uh, Devontae Smith and or A.J. Brown, like it seems like you get a pick one of those receivers per game. It's like they never go off in the same game. And like, if they both do, that becomes really lethal. So um, yeah, for those points, I'll, I'll still stake the Eagles at uh, just because they're third overall plus 450. Yeah, I mean, look, uh that's great news that the lane's going to play, uh, hopefully maybe. Um, but if it's like a nagging injury, I mean, then you run the risk of it getting re-injured at a, yeah. at a certain point. Um, For sure. and you know, right. And, and just the point of like, Oh, the, you know, the Eagles haven't played their best football yet. I think that Eagles fans love to say that. And the yeah. players love to say that, but I mean, they're like, 
they have, they have a point differential of, of 64 over the season. Cowboys plus 162, Niners plus 140. The only reason why the Chiefs are second favorite is because someone's got to win the AFC, right? So like that that those odds are not necessarily indicative of yeah, you're right. saying Chiefs are the second best team. It's just like someone's got to win the AFC, and and you know okay. uh, the AFC is definitely weaker. So um, I I like Dallas in that in that ma- rematch uh, in a couple of weeks. And as I've said all year long, I think the 49ers. I, you know I still like the 49ers. So uh, I think co- I would I would take Cowboys or and 49ers over Eagles in the to win the uh, NFC. Um, but all right, switching back to college football, uh, going to go back to uh, Alabama um, pulling pulling the game out of their butt uh, in the Iron Bowl. Currently now nine to one to win the um, to win the college football championship uh, over at DraftKings uh, with a a critical matchup this weekend in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Luke, we will start with you first. Are you staking or swapping uh, Alabama? Yeah. So I'm going to swap Alabama at nine to one. They were five to one. Alabama was to win the national championship before last week. So they've moved the opposite direction in a week. And to me, it's bookmaker seeing what we've, you know, what I've kind of been on the whole season is I just don't trust Jalen Milrow. Like for him to be shouting about the Heisman, I don't know if you saw this clip, he was shouting yeah. that he should win the Heisman after that game. Like, dog, you beat Auburn. Like, I don't know what you're getting all happy about. You're, you stink. Like, I don't trust him in the slightest. So, a quick, couple of quick stats about Alabama's offense 61st in total yards, 96th ranked in passing yards, and 72nd in rushing yards. Georgia is ninth in total yards and 12th in total passing yards and points their eighth overall Alabama is 17th in points. I don't know how they're getting their points, but it's defensive turnovers or special teams. But um, yeah, I just do not trust Jalen Milrow. Who knows who wins this weekend? I lean Georgia. They're the better team. It's a rival. I kind of call that a rivalry game, Georgia and Alabama. So um, those things always come seem to come down to the wire, but yeah, I just, I don't trust Alabama in the slightest. I mostly because of Jalen Milrow. Yeah, um, I will swap them uh, as well, um, and that's just purely because I think Georgia will win the game. Now, that spread last week was four and a half, and now it's six and a half, um, mm-hmm. hence why the the futures odds also uh, went went down. But I listen, I, I fully subscribe to the idea of look-ahead games, right? When you're just so focused on the next week's game, it's hard to focus on the current week's game. So, you know, Alabama didn't cover, Georgia didn't cover, the week before uh, Michigan didn't cover when, when you've got a, a matchup that is like basically your season's on the line and you're playing a team that, you know, Oh, you think you can just beat in your sleep. You know, Auburn just lost to like New Mexico state the week before. Right. So they're mm-hmm. thinking we're just going to steamroll this team and, and, and we'll go on to, uh, you know, go on to Georgia. So I do think that that, you know, that's part of the reason why that game was so close. Um, now that being said, I have also thought that Alabama was just not, they're just not the typical Alabama this year. Still good, but I think Georgia wins that game. If that line gets to seven, I still may bet Alabama plus plus seven, but um, I think Georgia wins the game and therefore we will not be discussing, uh, you know, should Alabama be in or out uh, come, come next week. So uh, for those reasons, I, I agree with you. I will be swapping uh, Alabama as well. Um, but that will do it uh, for this week's episode. Uh, 
Make sure to enjoy the games this week. We got some great college, great NFL. Uh, make sure to be checking out PropSwap.com for straight bets, parlays, futures. Uh, but, you know, thank you for uh, listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week. 